0: God invites all to worship the Creator at this time in our places which dwell on Treaty One territory, the ancestral lands of the Métis Nation, the Dakota, the Cree, oji Dene, Haudenosaunee, and Anishinaabe people. For those of you who would like to participate, in the pictorial directory here at Grace, Jackie Coop will be in the foyer after the sermon, Service this morning to take pictures for whoever would like. Uh, we are still collecting rice for Southeast Helping Hands here at the front, in front of the pulpit. Uh, and Pastor Mel has one more announcement for us this morning.
1: Just wanted you to note a couple of things, and it has been in the bulletin the last few weeks um the, the i've had a few people or a couple of people talk to me actually more than a couple so it is a few about baptism or membership so if you are interested in baptism or membership at grace um have questions give me a call um, we would like to do that uh, this spring if there are those who are interested and enjoy that kind of celebration together so let me know if you would like that um secondly um for those of you who do know what soups is um, or have maybe volunteered there who know Joy, um, just so that you know, for information's sake, they are going to be having their first um, meal downstairs in the basement again this Tuesday, after two years. It's it's quite something. So uh, Joy's got her hands up. I think we can celebrate with her and others. So. That's very encouraging, and we we're hoping it's going to be good as, that, as uh, we and they um, downstairs all begin to um, try and be family down there together again. And then finally, if you take your bulletin I'd like you to note one here on the back no, yeah, it's on the back side of the bulletin. It has to do with um, Holy Week, with next week, Monday Thursday. You're going to next uh, Sunday, you'll have an announcement regarding what is coming the week um, in terms of Stations of the Cross on Good Friday and then the Easter morning service. But on Thursday, Maundy Thursday, we are going to have a meal and communion downstairs. Um, we're going to enjoy um, being with each other and having our own supper together, and then we will share communion with a bit of worship together. So if you would like to be part of that, we need to know how many people would be coming. So there's a sign-up sheet on the back table. You can sign up or you can uh, let us know, um, email the office. If you would like to come and be part of that on Thursday the 14th, um, the details are here in the bulletin, or you can um, ask us more questions about that. Thank you.
2: Please stand and join us singing number 36 in voices together let us build a house and uh, we will remain standing till the end of the song the glory of these 40 days
3: let us build a house where of grace.
0: We seek the way of God. God fills our lives with love and beauty as sweet fragrance fills the air. We live the of God. So let us laugh and shout for joy as we worship God together.
2: Join us singing Beyond a Dying Sun 416 in Voices Together.
3: Just
0: O God, for our thoughts are not your thoughts, and our ways are not your ways. As we walk with Christ on this Lenten journey, let us see your way more clearly.
2: Please join us singing the glory of these 40 days, number 305, and please stand here.
0: The desert and the parched land will be glad. The wilderness will rejoice and blossom. Like the crocus, will burst into bloom. In our world in which we recognize darkness, we look to God's light. In our world, in which we recognize darkness, we look to God's light. Lord, remove us, us our from our
3: scarcity and into
0: abundant Your abundant life.
2: Please stand and join us singing in Christ Alone, number three thirty-two. Mm-hmm.
4: to invite all the kids up for a puppet show. You know the drill. However, I realized, yeah, come sit down. I'm going to tell a story to your parents and grandparents. Some of you who are new to church or watching on live stream might not know the history of why we have a puppet Mel. I need to explain this a little bit just to save him from some embarrassment. Yeah, come on down. So a couple years ago, when we decided that we were going to have puppets, I contacted a local puppet maker. And on her website, it said that we could ask for custom puppets. And so I called her and said, excuse me, if I give you a picture of somebody, you can make a puppet? And she said, absolutely. And I'm like, well, how much more is it? And she says, well, the same price. So, of course, that was the best 75 bucks I ever spent of church money. And it was kind of a big secret for Mel for months. He had no idea this was coming. And then on one Sunday morning, surprise, there was puppet Mel, and he's been with us for years since. Mel is very gracious and lets me write the scripts featuring him every week. I'm very thankful for that trust. And I like to think, though, that part of his trust and his graciousness is that this is just a generous generous response to us for basically making him immortal. (laughs) That he will live on in church lore forever, and he is so excited about that. And he lets us just laugh at him every week. So that's the story about why we have a puppet, Mel. It's nothing him being vain. Um, it's just me just being conniving. All right, puppet show time.
5: Hi, kids! I bet you weren't expecting me out first today, were you? Ha 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 But here I am. But I have a feeling me being here first won't be the first unexpected surprise today. But let's call Mel out to see if he has seen anything unexpected going on. Today, we're going to say one, two, three, Mel the pastor, okay? Ready? One, two, three, <laughs> Mel the Pastor!
4: Oh, hi, Finn. Hi, kids. You know, I wasn't able to be here last week, feeling a little under the weather. But let me tell you, it sure feels good to be back in the building.
5: And it's good to have you back. Hey, Mel, have you seen anything unexpected recently?
4: Unexpected? Well, last week, I saw some famous actors on TV have a Slappy disagreement.
5: Oh, yeah, we all saw that. Why can't we just be nice to each other? Anything else unexpected?
4: Well, the Canadian men's soccer team is going to the World Cup! Woo! The women's soccer team have been awesome for a long time, but the men not being terrible is quite unexpected.
5: I agree. It's about time the men started playing as well as the women. Anything else?
4: Well, there was that time when 20 cars pulled into the church parking lot and outpiled 50 people and they all formed a circle and then two people went in the middle and took off their shirts and they started hitting each other and rolling around the parking lot while everybody else chanted, fight, fight,
5: fight, fight. And that reminds me of the gospel lesson this morning. <laughs> what? For real? For real. See, Jesus had been arrested by some soldiers, and he was taken before the person in charge, a guy named Pontius Pilate.
4: Pontius Pilates? That sounds like quite the exercise class there, Finn.
5: No, not Pontius Pilates, Pontius Pilate.
4: Oh, Pontius Pilate, that's the guy's name. Okay, and so what did he do with Jesus?
5: Well, he was afraid. He knew Jesus hadn't really done anything wrong, so he wanted to let him go. But he went outside to talk to the crowd of people, and they were mad and angry and shouting things. Ha!
4: Like those people in the church parking lot when they
5: were shouting, fight, fight, fight. Exactly. Sometimes when we're in large, angry crowds, we can cheer for things that we normally wouldn't.
4: Oh, like crowds cheering a fight at a hockey game? Yep. Like parents yelling at refs during a hockey game? Yep like making fun of the toronto maple leafs when they lose in the first round of the playoffs again like they do every year
5: well that's a national pastime and we all kind of do it so maybe
4: oh i see at least they'll make the playoffs this year but in our story pilate wanted to to do the right thing and let jesus go but he was scared of the crowds shouting mean things at him yep so what did jesus do
5: oh the thing that jesus always does He just did his best to keep loving and forgiving everyone and showed us how to be the change we want to see
4: in the world. Huh. So in the midst of a lot of people shouting mean things, Jesus kept on loving and forgiving? Yep. But
5: hey, I'm curious. What did you do when there was that crowd of people in the church parking lot chanting, Fight! Fight! Fight!
4: Well, we called the police. But before they arrived, the crowd stopped, All looked to the street at the same time, and they panicked. They scattered like ants. Some ran away, falling over snow piles, while others got in their cars and drove away as safely but as fast as they could.
5: Really? They just left on their own?
4: What do you think happened? Honestly, we're not sure, but we think that one of their moms drove by and yelled at them to stop. Yes.
5: I'm quite sure that if the mother of Pontius Pilate showed up, our story might have taken an unexpected twist.
4: I'm sure it would have. Moms do that to all of us. They love us into being better humans. Alright kids, you can go back to the foyer for Children's Church now. Bye. Bye!
1: Well, after that I probably should have a sermon that's a little more humorous than the one I've actually got. Um, And, interesting, as I looked at the story last week, it kind of followed the track that um, Finn and myself did there with the puppets, and yet this week I'm kind of looking at it a little differently, so that'll be interesting too. And beyond that, I did think that last week, if you were here... um, commented that I was on the screen because Kyle and myself were doing a little uh, work to find out whether we could work from home or on Sunday mornings, um, if that would be possible. Um, So today you have me in front, and after the worship we're going to vote. Which you like better? And um, if all goes well, we'll see you up there next week. So yeah. Uh, We were talking about that actually um, this uh, this, uh, in the back uh, when Joe was working on the booth and Doug was there this week and Doug said, oh, that would be real funny because you could be preaching there and and, uh, after a few weeks you wouldn't even know if there's anybody in the building and that's probably true. Would anybody even be here? As I said, I began this story last week wondering about truth and I came to it seeing Pilate differently Then I want to wonder about today, that was last week. While I suggested that his question to Jesus at the end of the story, and I'm going to tie those two stories together today, was what is truth, and I mentioned that it wasn't really sincere, he was not trying to know actually, I still saw him as actually wanting to let Jesus go. But after some of the reading this week, I was led to wonder about this story in Pilate in a little bit of a different way. The different Gospels actually present Pilate a little bit differently. Now, when we had stories with seniors this past week, which is an enjoyable time when we just chat with um, some older folks in the congregation on Zoom and we talk about the sermon coming up, um, Peter asked if Pilate's wife was in the story. And actually, I said, no, she's not, but she is in Matthew's story. So that's what's going to come up next year. But she's not in John's story this year. Here in John, it looks at first glance... In last week's story, in today's, if Pilate really wants to let Jesus go. But maybe, while not necessarily committed to having him crucified, though anyone who would have been claiming to king would have been on his radar as potential trouble, he ends up using Jesus as bait to lure the Jewish leadership into a trap. Now, historically verified, that is, Pilate was an actual person, and that's verified beyond scripture with historians of the time, but not all agree on what kind of person he actually was. One Jewish historian paints him as very stubborn and insensitive. Another is vindicative and bad-tempered and inflexible. Now, He was a governor, and his role was to subjugate and educate the people of that region in terms of Rome. So maybe that's why they didn't like him or didn't name him favorably. In one story they tell, for example, he had his soldiers march the standards into the city at night, whereas other administrators had removed anything that would have been offensive to the Jews. So it's almost like he was egging them on. The incident caused an uproar, and facing demonstrators willing to die for their beliefs, he backed down. The fact that he did indicates, says one contemporary writing, that he wasn't necessarily someone who had to spill blood unnecessarily. He was a shrewd operator and administrator, although he did shed blood too. Following a massacre by troops that he'd ordered in Samaria, Jewish and Samaritan delegates complained to the governor of the neighboring province, and he was sent back to Rome to explain to the emperor what he had done. He never returned to Judea. Ending his 10-year assignment there on that note. Now, I didn't want to give you a boring history lesson, although I do like history. Someone once said that sermons about obscure Bible characters and peoples don't do much for them, and and I get that. We live here, not 2,000 years ago, but I think that this helps us understand this story because maybe with this brief background, we hear it as an interrogating pilot and the hornet-angry Jewish leadership continuing an ongoing fight, like Mel and Finn were talking about in the parking lot, like two dogs fighting over a morsel of food, Jesus, this time, being that morsel in the middle. You see, after the Jewish leadership had led Jesus to Caiaphas, they took him to Pilate's headquarters. It was early in the morning, and they themselves didn't go in because they were trying to avoid ritual defilement so that they could eat the Passover meal later. So Pilate, he went out to them, and he said, so what accusations do you have against this man? Well, he said, if he were not a criminal, we wouldn't have handed him over to you. Well, then Pilate said, well, then go and try him yourself by your own law. They can't, we, they, we can't, they said, because we are not permitted to kill anyone. That was said to fulfill what Jesus had said when he indicated the kind of death that he would die. So Pilate went in to talk to Jesus. And he said to him, or asked him, are you then the king of the Jews? And Jesus said to him, do you say that yourself or did the others tell you about me? Pilate responded, look, I'm not a Jew, am I? It's your own nation and chief priests who handed you over, so what have you done wrong? And Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. If it was of this world, well, my disciples would be fighting to keep me from being handed over to you. No, my kingdom is not from here. So you are a king, Pilate said. Well, so you say I am, Jesus responded, and for this I was born. For this I came into the world to testify to the truth, because those who belong to the truth hear my voice and follow me. Then Pilate said, hmm, what is truth? And he went back out to the Jews and said to them, I find no case against this man. But look, it's your special custom that during the Passover I release someone to you. So, would you like me to release to you the the king of the Jews? And they cried out as one, No, not this man, but release Barabbas to us. Now, Barabbas was a bandit, a political insurrectionist. So, releasing Barabbas, Pilate had Jesus flogged. And the soldiers made a crown of thorns and dressed him in a purple robe. They kept coming up to him and saying, Hail, King of the Jews, and slapping him across the face. Then Pilate went out to them again and said, Look, I'm going to bring the man out to you to let you know that I find no case against him. So then Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. But the police, the temple police, and the chief priests cried out together, crucify him, crucify him. Well, Pilate said, well, you go and crucify him yourselves then. And they said, look, we have a law that means he ought to die because he claims to be the son of God. Well, with that, Pilate was a little more afraid. And so he took Jesus and went back inside and said, okay, where are you from? But now, Jesus did not respond. And Pilate said to him, Oh, you're not going to respond to me. Don't you know that I have the power to release you or to have you crucified? Jesus said to him, You would have no power if it had not been given to you from on high. Therefore, the one who has given me over to you is guilty of the greater sin. Well, after this, Pilate was trying to release Jesus, but the Jews kept crying out, If you release this man, you are no king of the emperor, or no friend of the emperor, because anyone who claims to be a king sets himself against the emperor. Then, with those words, Pilate went and had a seat at the judge's bench at a place close to what's called the stone table. It was the day of preparation for the Passover, about noon. And then he had Jesus in front of him, and he said, So, here is your king. And they all cried out, Away with him! Away with him! Crucify him! And Pilate said to them, What? Crucify your king? And they cried out, We have no king but the emperor. Then with that he handed him over to them to be crucified. Pilate eggs on an angry Jewish leadership by telling them over and over, I find no case against him. They themselves, they had declared him guilty before even handing him over. They just needed someone to kill him because they apparently couldn't. Although in a couple of stories back in John, they had picked up stones to try and stone him, but he had escaped from them. Now, maybe they had to have Pilate do it for some reason that we don't know about. They reference a law that declares death to anyone claiming to be the Son of God, and maybe that was their way of convincing Pilate of the seriousness of all this. In the Roman world, after all, Caesars had claimed and would that title, so an accusation that Jesus would claim son of God's status might put him in competition with Roman Caesars, actually. An accusation similar to the one that's used at the end, that if he'd release someone claiming to be the king, the son of God, then actually Pilate would be acting against the emperor. Which seemingly sends Pilate to his final decision as the one who has lost the fight to the Jewish leadership because when he heard these words, he sat down to issue his decision. But had he actually lost? With the final two questions, he then drags out their final responses, the last one asking if they really want their king to be killed, to which they answer, we have no king but the emperor. No king but the emperor. Hmm. Before heading off to their Passover, they had not wanted to defile themselves by stepping into a Gentile residence in the morning. And then they were going to go to the Passover free from defilement to preach and pray, say and pray words that they would say every year. And those words were this From everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. Besides thee, we have no king, redeemer, or savior, no liberator no deliverer, provider. None who takes pity in every time of distress and trouble. We have no king but thee. Hmm. The politically shrewd and expedient pilot in the end succeeded in drawing the Jewish leadership or drawing from the Jewish leadership that pledge of allegiance to the emperor instead of to their God. The ultimate Jewish blasphemy. The religiously shrewd and expedient leadership somehow overlooking or excusing their transgression in that slight slip of the tongue got what they wanted from Pilate, an execution. The non-expedient Jesus, standing on the edge, yet right smack in the middle, in shameful bloody dress, the most dignified of all, offering no real excuses or reasons a solid, grounded rock in the middle of a shifting, self-serving crowd playing games with the truth and people, his silence exposing their shameless, shallow, and deadly expedience. Expediency. I've tossed that word around a bit this week in my head, and I don't even think I know what it means anymore. I've been thinking about it so much. Or maybe I realize that it likely includes much more sometimes than I think it does or than we think it does. You see, expediency is not always negative. Simply means that we know how to get things done. And we are really impressed by people who are expedient and can make things work and happen. Yet, it's often used negatively because it also describes the use of politic or methods based on self-interest and an advantageous desired outcome rather than what's right or just. It's playing with the truth for personal reasons or our purposes, rationalizing it, sometimes maybe even making it sound like we really are doing it for others so that it even sounds like it makes more sense and it's actually very good. Well, today's story highlights the negative, and it made me wonder about expediency around us and within myself. What expediency, which makes us less than what God would want us to be, or what we ourselves would want to be, making our lives with others less than what God would want them to be, actually actions making our Lord, our King, someone or something other than we might even say it is. Struggled a little bit with the examples, but you'll have to bear with me and see if they make any sense to you. Maybe our first thoughts these days are about political expediency. Ukraine is being invaded by Russia with a rationale likely to be explained as just and right read an article recently that Kyle passed on, and a journalist wrote that their rationale might be, Russia's that is, might be a series of broken agreements by Western countries. One of those being not to expand NATO beyond the borders of a unified Germany, which the U.S. and NATO have done. That agreement was broken, justifying for themselves possibly the war, or in part anyway. But this, as the journalist also mentioned, does not contone the atrocity that is occurring, never does. One in which the truth is used and interpreted for their desired outcome, whatever it is, not what is necessarily just or right or good. We were in the U.S. um, years ago in the early 90s, 1991, when Iraq invaded and and annexed Kuwait still remember, I was driving in my car, had the radio on, and they started to announce this. I think I've said this before, like it was a football game. The U.S. then led a 35-country coalition to drive them out of Kuwait, the Iraqis. Then, in 2003, they invaded again on the pretext of Iraq having weapons of mass destruction. Those weapons were never found. But... The threat was used to justify actions that seemed, to an amateur anyway, like a war looking for an excuse to happen. We watched a movie recently about that called Fair Game. Good movie. I wondered about that when I thought about the latest invasions and annexations that have happened even over the last number of years, and they've been handled differently, haven't they, than going in to free the country that's been invaded and has had land annexed political expediency. This time it's for our good, apparently, but it's not good for everyone. Made me wonder what happens when our personal safety becomes God to which we claim ultimate allegiance. Another one, I've often wondered why institutions can't apologize. Now, I imagine there are many reasons, liability being one of them, and in them, you speak for many, and there isn't always agreement on what to say. So, for example, Prince William going to Jamaica can't apologize for slavery because how many people have to be on board in the U.K. to be able to do that? But this week, we didn't have to talk politics. We could talk faith and religion. And until this week, the Vatican wouldn't say sorry for residential schools. Now they have. Quite something. So necessary, so wonderful, so many that are elated and thankful, finally. Though, after that, we did immediately get a sense of why apologies are so hard. The words were barely spoken, and the headlines already were, The Vatican holds billions in assets. Residential school survivors say that the Pope should step up on compensation. Expediency with language can avoid the difficult journey of journeying with the truth. We're told though that the truth, not expedience, is what sets us free. We trust that that's going to be true. What happens when reputation or consequences or long-term viability for an institution become the god to which we claim allegiance? And finally, Ever wonder about personal expediency? I do. When we choose actions that are personally advantageous and sensible, with sometimes maybe without wondering enough about the complexity of what's white or what's just. I think of that when I consider my money. Years ago, we had a bit of money, more than a bit of money. We had some money to spend, and we were urged to invest it, in the global south because their interest rates were higher than they were if choosing ethical options with lower interest rates in Canada. That actually makes good sense, actual sense, dollars and cents. When we want money to make money, we can become somewhat expedient. I can even justify it as creating jobs in those locations. It does, as well as who knows what else it might create. Or paying taxes. I think I should pay taxes because I make enough and I can afford it. Not all do or can. I understand that. In Canada, regardless of the parties that are in power, I think we get value for what we contribute in our taxes. So I think I should be paying taxes. But that makes me wonder sometimes why, if I think they're so good for our country and others living in it, particularly for those who have less than I do, why do I try so find so many ways to avoid tax paying? Putting money away in TFSAs, described as a, a registered savings plan that lets you grow and withdraw your money tax-free, making it a great option when saving for short and long-term goals. I'm assuming those are personal goals. And my giving... All good, but do I give in places where I get tax-deductible receipts, or do I give in places where I might not? What happens when my financial security becomes the god to which I claim ultimate allegiance? In contrast to all that would lead us to say and do and act according to that which is advantageous, maybe even in what comes to all that seems right and just... Jesus stands in the middle of the expediency fight, the sham accusations and the sham excuses and the sham trial, and explains a different kingdom than those that we are often building. let himself be shamed in its name and gives life to others, to us, not by taking anything for himself. let himself be killed by untruth so that the truth can live that being that he came from God to testify to the truth that God wants to save the world and that it is done by making life about, literally, God and others, as Jesus did, as we can do. As we approach Easter weekend, I'd encourage us to simply do two things. First, consider the powerful love of God, visible in Jesus who took nothing for himself except us. And be grateful. And secondly, reflect on our lives and ask ourselves if there are places where expediency might override our willingness to do as Jesus did. In gratitude and reflection, God lead us away from expediency and into faithful being and living, into naming Jesus as our King. Amen.
2: Please join us singing Love Each Other. The words will be on the screen here behind us.
0: Mother, Holy Father, we seek your way and your will. We lift up Christina Putz, Lord, who is currently in Bethsaida Hospital. We pray for Raylan Dick as she waits for a suitable kidney for transplant. We pray a donor comes forward soon. We trust in your timing, O God. We pray for those living in care homes marie dick abe friesen shirley joy linda martins martha plett and irene rimble we pray for those in the world who are most affected by violence we call attention specifically to those living in war-torn countries we pray for protection and comfort in those spaces And we pray even more for your peace, O Lord, to rain down in those places. After the events of the past two years, we seek healing for those who have been most affected by the COVID-19 pandemic. Lord, bring healing into our world, physically, emotionally, and relationally, as we all begin to look ahead at the future of our world. We pray for the leaders of our world, and for the leaders of our country. May they be wise and knowledgeable in their leadership. Make this world like that of heaven, O Lord. Amen.
2: Please stand with us and join us singing our closing song, God go with you. The words will be on the screen.
0: From this time and place into whatever awaits, may you follow God's way of abundance. May you recognize messages of scarcity as lies and open your eyes to the abundant life of God in this world. As you go, know that our God of the wilderness goes with you on the way. Amen.